0: Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Science of Feeding the World Podcast. This week, we speak with science hero Maida Abadi. Gary, did you fulfill your DNA requirements with this episode?
1: I'm fully satiated for my DNA demands.
0: And you know what? I actually that felt like we learned Alex and I learned things as this podcast went on.
2: There are some serious euphemisms I could be picking up.
0: Alex, what did you think about this week's episode?
2: I thought it was DNA (laughs) amazing. are listening to a podcast, but what is that podcast? It's the Science of Feeding
1: the World! Welcome to another episode of the Science of Feeding the World podcast with me, Gary Froon. I'm Hannah McGrath. I'm Alex Day, And today we're joined by Maida, Uh, hold on, wait, we didn't get a cool title. What is your title?
3: Oh shit, I don't know.
1: What do you want to be called? There must be, like, a really cool... Like, I always think of it like, you know how, like, s- superheroes have, like, the, the super techie, like... You know, like, Alfred does all the work in yeah, Batman, yeah. and Batman's just out, like, fighting. And Alfred's actually the cool one that can do all of the science and, like, builds That's the giant machine things, and does yeah. all of the stuff.
3: I have a PCR hero key ring. PCR, PCR hero, hero. there it. we are, right. Okay. <laughs>
1: Today we're joined by uh, PCR hero, Maida Abadi. Maida, what's it like being a PCR science superhero? Wow, <laughs>
3: um, I love the title. Um, it's, I think it's cool. Uh, I do a lot of PCRs. Um, what is a PCR? So a PCR is the polymerase chain reaction basically you want to go from a tiny amount of dna that you usually get from environment and you want to go to a huge amount that you can then use in different analysis so it's just basically amplifying it through um, a cycle reaction Mm.
0: so you start with something that's quite precious and then you can make more of it so you don't I don't know, if you sneeze and drop it in the lab. Mm. Exactly,
3: you have always, loads to work on.
1: <laughs> I always think of this in terms of uh, um, like crime yeah, uh, forensics and stuff. If you've got a tiny drop of saliva or a blood sample, you you need to get as much out of it as you can. So you amplify the DNA so you've got loads of it. So yes. you sneeze in oh. it and get your own DNA mixed in. Smart.
0: Yeah. yeah. Science um, is cool sometimes.
1: Um, so I think we're probably going to talk more about what a PCR is because it's quite... It's, it's not massively complicated but it is
3: cool. and it's a very routine stuff like, yeah, yeah. as soon as you start working on I mean biology but like molecular biology that's what yeah. Work on PCR
2: is the backbone of a lot of the modern yeah, molecular yeah. biology yeah. it's
3: the base because again if you want to work around DNA you need to make it enough to be able to work on different analysis so the first, one of the first steps is to do PCR so you have enough to then work on other stuff
0: mm. so how many PCRs would you oh no to so know how many you do a day but I'll ask that again
3: um, it's random. It's not like I do every day. It's more like one day a day. I will do 100 a hundred reactions, but then Whoa. I won't, Well, but then it's ninety-six well plates. I don't know if you've seen these ones.
0: So they, those are what you do. Okay. So how do you do a PCR?
3: So basically, you need a few key stuff. So you need your matrix DNA. So usually it comes from for me, it's come from soil. But it can come from insects. It can come from anything or humans if you do forensics. So um, matrix DNA is It's just the stuff. D- it's the DNA. It's we Neo.
1: Neo, yeah. it's Keanu Reeves. It's like at the end when everything goes green he sees all the numbers. That's, That's the matrix DNA. matrix DNA. <laughs> so you need that. You,
3: you need can't that, right, do cool,
1: got that. I
2: want right, to stress that right now.
3: So matrix DNA from the environment. Any, any kind of yeah, where it come from in very tiny concentration then. Um, and then you need primers, which are um, tiny pieces of DNA that you know what they are. You design them or you take them from literature. You know exactly what they are because they will decide which part of the DNA you're going to amplify because most of the time, unless you work on genomes, you're only interested in specific genes. So like wheat, you will look for like breeding programs or like insects for like a specific pheromone producing yeah. enzyme. Or for us, it would be more nitrogen cycle because that's what yeah. we're interested in soil. Mm-hmm. So you need to have these specific primers to look at the specific gene you're interested in. Um, so that was DNA primers, uh, the enzyme polymerase, famously. So that's the enzyme that will take all of the pieces and put them together to build the new DNA.
2: Think back to GCSE
3: biology. So this oh. is this is polymerase. Now, is this the one that you're going to... I mean, this
0: is not my area. Is this the one that came from a hot spring?
3: Yes, exactly. That's how we, we use it because um, the reaction of PCR is done through... Uh, thermic cycles and one of the steps is 95 degrees
0: so we heat it up we cool it down we heat it up we cool
3: it down and so for it to work at the hot phase we you need an enzyme that resists high temperatures so that's how we was found because we found bacteria or in this case i think it's an archaea. i'm not sure um was found in a very hot spring and they can survive very hot hot temperatures and that enzyme doesn't get degraded because most enzymes um dissolve not dissolve but like they get denatured yeah, at denated. hot temperatures yeah. um so that's why we extracted it, that one but there's a few more now <gasps> mm. oh, pfu that's... is the newer one what's mm. pfu star? what does that start p it's... i can't remember the few is for fusion so it's a oh, different okay. enzyme from a different organism basically is that mm. a, a lower temperature well no no it's no. the same it's super high it's just um
1: There are enzymes that work at lower temperatures though, aren't there? I I thought I'd seen some PCRs that you can do at more stable temperatures. In the field, for
3: example, now it's the new trend. You try to do PCR in the field. I think that was... um... In a literal field. Yeah. You You can do molecular biology. Mm.
0: (laughs) I need to up my game. Is
2: this, um, what do they call it, nanopore, is it?
1: Oxford,
0: that's kind of yeah. So that's
1: you. You would do a bit of this to prepare your sample for Nanopore if you were yes, in field. yes,
0: exactly. What's I, is, what's Nanopore? Uh, should well, we get to that a bit later guess, on? Uh, yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> what? Yeah, yeah, we'll get to nanopore. we'll get to that.
2: So um,
3: yeah, so that was the DNA, the primers, the enzyme, um, and the nucleotides. So basically, DNA is ATGC, the four bases. Pa- put in a random order, that will create the code. Um, So in the soup of PCR, you need the single nucleotide and the polymerase will take each at a time to put it on the new strand. Um, So we had DNA
0: from the environment, we had a primer we had the polymerase, which is the enzyme that builds it. And then you need the building blocks, which is the nucleotides. Mm, yes. I feel like I am remembering Let's... things yes. I did I did at some point <laughs> now.
3: Thank you for helping me remember. That's good. And a lot of few more salts and stuff, but that's details.
1: Mm, mm. Should we break this down even more? And yeah. Through some stuff. So I want to... Get a sense of this. So, starting from the sample, because you you go out into the field and yes. collect the samples, and then you go into the lab and do the extraction, and then you do the PCR, and then sometimes you you carry on and do the bioinformatics yeah, do as the well. So, take us out in the field. What what do you, what samples are you collecting? What are you interested in?
3: So, mainly I do um, soil sampling. So, basically, I go around with a, a core, like a, a metal half tube, and you go mm-hmm. and dig it into the floor and into the soil until like. Uh, 0 to 10 centimetres and 0 to 20 centimetres um, take it out um, we used to sieve it like into like, literally like a, like a kitchen sieve two millimetres to homogenise your sample but it takes so long because you have to wash your sieve in the, in the, in the field. So you bring your bucket, you wash it, and mm. then you etanol it.
0: You literally, like... So,
3: yeah. We were dishwashing mm. in the field and people were like, what are, doing? <laughs> are you doing? Why are you cleaning soil up? <laughs> so
1: do, do you, did you say you don't freeze the samples? Wait, you wait, you, that's, okay, okay, so okay, that's before you need to homogenise. <laughs> slow, <down>. slow down. <laughs>
3: So instead of sieving, hopefully we're trying to find a new method. It's just um, you put your soil directly into the tube plus water, uh, distilled water, and then you shake very hard. You make a soup so everything is homogenized. And then you dip directly that into liquid nitrogen. So liquid nitrogen is just a very, very cool, as in... Cold. <laughs> it is cool as well. Oh, come
2: it's on, cold. it's both of
1: those things. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. was
2: about to say, up until we got to liquid nitrogen, this all sounded like a blue Peter. You can do this at home as well. Go and yeah, dig up some yeah. soil and shake it up. Yeah, definitely. And then it was liquid
1: nitrogen, and
3: so, oh, don't not. don't play with liquid nitrogen, <laughs> kids. <laughs> no. um, so yeah, it's just to preserve your sample. So it's.
1: We spoke a little bit about this when Harry Barrett mm-hmm. was on a uh, mm-hmm. couple of episodes. Episode ago. four, um, and he said because the moment you disrupt. The, the system, yeah. so they start changing, especially for
3: RNA, because the production of RNA in cells is so quick, like a couple of minutes. This, the metabolism of cells can change straight away. So you want to freeze the system, so you you not you want to see what was in the soil, not what is in a tube already. Yeah. Okay. Um, so liquid nitrogen, and then when you go back to the to the lab, you can keep your samples in the freezers for a long time if you don't have time okay. to process them. The good thing is, you can go sample, store everything, and then six months later, go back to that. Mm. Um, but if you do this method of water plus uh, soil, it's like a, a nice cube of soil. It's impossible to take <laughs> some of it, so you have to freeze dry it. It's like lyophilization, you know, like lyophilized food. You know, when you have like dry food for like military people. Oh, oh, like yeah. camping? Yeah, the stuff I and okay. I'm yeah. camping. Yeah, oh, like camping? Yeah. The, yeah. the just add water stuff. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So, so basically, not great. <laughs> you just you <laughs> have to <laughs> freeze dry. Oh well, le- it, which is remove all the water. Okay. So that's what we do. It's a machine that is goes very down into or high into pressure. Can't <laughs> mm-hmm. remember. Um, and basically, your sample stays frozen, but then the water comes out, and it's okay. a, a fine homogeneous powder, and you can oh. take that to do your DNA extraction.
1: Cool. So So, the DNA in the soil, before we get to that, we're talking about soil. What DNA is even in that soil? Soil doesn't have DNA. Nope. What are we talking about?
3: Everything that lives in soil. Right. Everything that is alive in soil. So there will be like insects, there will be uh, microfauna, like all the mini spiders, um, fleas, tardigrades, yes. Mm, Nematodes. Nematodes, uh, fungi. Bacteria. bacteria, Archaea. Yeah. What are archaea? Okay, oh, cool. Um, they're very, they're cousins of bacteria, basically, even though they're closer to eukaryotes than bacteria, um, but they see one-cell organisms and they are famous to be found in extreme environments like the hot springs or down very high, oh, very low very into the ocean. Vents. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Or oh, okay. in Antarctica and stuff mm-hmm. like this. Um But they are like cousins of bacteria, but they are everywhere as well. So they're in the soil, so they also contribute to the the DNA in soil. Yes.
0: Mm.
3: And also residues from plants. Mm. So if you, you, for example, if I will take some soil from grassland, most of the soil is ingrained with roots. So most of the DNA we'll have is actually from the roots. Mm. So
2: So what you're saying Mm. is if you took a sample of that soil, you could use this technique to see everything that's, currently in there or has recently been in that
3: soil that's called metagenomics analysis it's
2: a good name that is. yeah
3: yeah, basically you can either if you want if you're interested in one specific organism through pcr you can detect that so is
0: this why we need the the, so you you were talking about like matrix dna and Mm -hmm. so by matrix that just means like there is loads there's so much but then
3: yeah you need to to, you want to know what you want to work on so that's where the primers will be specific Mm. Or if you want to look at everything, then you extract the total DNA and you send for sequencing and you see everything. But that, I'm guessing, is ridiculously expensive. It's getting there now. Um, we, we're doing quite a lot of it. You see, so I work in field
0: work and so someone will say to me, like, we did some sequencing that was really cheap. It was only like six grand and I'm like, what? <laughs> How much would, if you took a kind of, I don't know, a gram of soil and wanted to sequence all the DNA in it, how much would that kind of cost...
3: You know, so, yeah. So it? first you only need a quarter of a gram, which is quite oh. as well. Um, for one sample, probably metagenomes would cost like um, 400. Pounds? Yes. For a quarter- that quarter of a gram? Yes. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, you never work with one sample, right? I mean, you all know replication yeah. treatments, you need at least 12, 24 samples to make it work. So the numbers go mm. up quite fast. But one sample is not too bad. Oh, okay. I thought it would be mm. a stupid amount, but... And also the... Preparation a bit before, but okay. If you need Just to count how to extract the DNA, but it's not too. And
1: bad. your all your reagents and things that yeah. we've talked about before, I think. I think so. Yeah, I think there was a story about only needing a small amount of a particular reagent. Oh yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you it think turns well. out they're quite expensive. Yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. Okay. So you've collected your sample, you're taking the lab. You've now got soil that has lots of cells in, in there and the DNA is locked up inside themselves. Yes. How do you get it out? How do you... Because DNA is like one of thousands and thousands of different molecules that are in that cell, all of mm-hmm. the fatty acids on the outside of the cell, all of the proteins that are in there? How do you separate it
3: out? So first, a good thing is DNA is quite sturdy, to be honest. It's quite a strong molecule, like it's a macromolecule, so you can you can do some stuff to it. it will be fine. Um, so basically, for soil, for example, because the soil is clayey, is full of humic acid, it's not the best material mm-hmm. to work with, you need something pretty harsh to... Shake it off, basically. So we use a main most of the time now. You use kits, like you buy a kit from a company which has a whole protocol set up for you. It's optimized for soil samples, but basically it's like um, a column, a membrane. So first you will beat your samples. Basically, there's like beads inside the tubes, and you so you bash it up, shake it very very hard with a, a equivalent of a vortex machine.
2: Are these like little ball bearing sort of things, little silver balls. Uh,
3: no, these ones are like. Um, uh, one single use but, like they oh. are in the uh, mm. in the tube and then when you finish your extraction you don't reuse them
2: is that because you don't want to contaminate other exactly
3: samples? and also it's cheaper for the company to sell like stuff that mm. are like more like a glass beads uh, what do the cheap. balls
1: do just break it up or do they actually mash everything yeah, inside yeah, yeah. the it's yeah. tube like, yeah. a, like a pestle and mortar yes of. exactly
3: mm. but like in the tube is like a, a two mil tube so there's like a quarter of a gram in there it's like all very tiny, tiny. Mm-hmm. so you break off everything and then you pass your sample through that specific membrane and the membrane has been designed by the company to retain DNA. So basically the DNA gets stuck on that membrane and then you wash it off with like ethanol solutions. Again, everything in the kit, you don't really have to think about it. And then um, at the very last step you elute it. So we... Ooh, mm. si- yes. Yes. Elute.
2: Can we Elute. De- can we have a quick definition of elute or to elute?
3: Basically the, the DNA is stuck by chemistry is attached by like I think ionic bonds or like yeah, it's because charged of, it's, it's charged, yeah, charged, right, and yeah. elution is like to because oh, water will just carry it through and then you, you let it through the membrane and then you get recover it at DNA the DNA is
0: negatively charged. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if you had something positively charged on the membrane, I don't know if it's, yes. a, but theoretically a positive and a negative attract, exactly. so you could stick it, mm-hmm. but the water would wash through the crap yes. in the soil. Exactly.
3: Mm. Oh. Something like
0: this. So then, how do you get the DNA that's stuck to the membrane off?
3: That's the that's the water. Okay. So first, the ethanol, which is more neutral, it will just like wash all the the mud. Basically, it's not it's not as muddy as you think. But um, all the stuff that we don't want, like proteins and sugars and everything, and normally only the DNA stays on the membrane. And then you add the water, as the last step, and the DNA is collected with the water.
1: I always found this like a massive coincidence that there just happens to be nothing else in the cell that is also positively charged in the same way that also is going to stick alongside the DNA? Isn't that like a bit that DNA just happens to be the only thing? There that probably is. And there probably is. some other And things, but...
3: when you finish your DNA extraction, you do a few tests to see how Clean it is, oh, okay. how, what's the concentration? Because you also need to know how much you have in there to continue. Beforehand. Is that
0: called a nanodrop? Yes. Whoa. See, yeah. I not 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 No, it's because I have <laughs> friends who do molecular biology. They all like, so how was your day? And they're like, oh, I did a nanodrop and I got, and they say some number and I'm literally mm. there like,
3: uh huh. Yeah, sure. Yeah, sounds great. So, what is a nanodrop? So, basically, the nanodrop is the name of the the machine. But, uh-huh. um, basically, yeah, please tell me because otherwise, my friends are going to think I. No, it's very easy. Basically, it's just uh, measuring the optical density of DNA, which is 260 mm. nanometer.
0: Yes. So, 260 nanometers is yes. the yes. optical density of DNA. Yes. I'm just saying that so I sound smart. Mm-hmm. You do.
3: <laughs> <laughs> you are. That's what I meant. <laughs> um, but the trick is, you only need a drop, you need one microliter of your extract. To see how much you have, mm. where normally you would need like you know the cuvettes in the spectrometer. I mean, no, okay, like in yeah, like when yeah. you do a color colorimetry test in chemistry mm. and you want yeah. to see how much you have, there you usually want one milliliter, which is for DNA a lot. But here you only like, need uh, one drop, mm. and you know what's the concentration like, yeah. of DNA.
1: So you've got all this DNA on on the beads. Oh, I'm yeah. sorry, on the in the water, then at, so at on the, the end. Membrane, yeah. And this is now the DNA of everything that was in there. It's and still is everything, the, yes. Is the DNA broken up at this point or is it just like the, the a full... Genome length piece string of DNA or dangling like
0: off of there. Would it thing. come in a chromosome, or does it?
1: Yeah, is it still chromosomal? or is um, it all broken up into little? At some point, you have to
3: fragment yes, it, yeah. I guess. So I guess it will. Uh, so for soil, we don't really mind for the, t- the type of analysis we want. We do, um, mm. but if, for example, if you look at, you want to look at the genome of one bacterium, you would use a, maybe a different kit to make sure that you're not completely destroying everything. Mm. But um, I feel like you can still recover most of the. Um, most of the genome and anyway now when you do sequencing you sequence pieces of dna Mm. you never we have really few sequencing techniques that that measure the whole genome in one way when we come back to the nanopore yeah
0: so you have got the concentration so you know whether you've managed to get enough dna
3: out of the soil to know if it's worth continuing yes and then what do you do and then it depends what you want to do. So if you're interested in knowing, for example, like Harry, um, how much uh, nit- um, nitrous oxide gas uh, could be potentially converted to N2 gas by this specific gene, there's one gene you're interested in, you would do a PCR from that on that DNA to see how much copies of that gene well, is let's, found. So
1: there's a gene in some bacteria that breaks down yes. nitrous oxide.
3: Yeah, so yeah. we convert the nitrous oxide into N2 in the atmosphere. And if
1: you wanted to know how much nitrous oxide might be released by some area of
3: soil, you mm-hmm. take the sample and then
1: try to find how much of that gene yes. is present? So that's, so- well, yeah, okay.
3: yeah. again, it depends. That's what we yeah, do yeah. now. our team. Uh, we don't really mind who's doing it. We just want to know, is there anything in, in our soil that, can do this step with this Mm. specific gene.
1: So there could be a hundred different types of bacteria that can all do this thing and they would all have some version of this gene probably.
3: With a certain Uh, variability and that's where the primers are essential because you want maybe, if you want to look at one bacterium doing that, you would have very specific primers that only match this that's a microorganism, a good... or if yeah. you want to look at the whole diversity of all bacteria doing this process, you want primers that could bind to all the genes of these specific.
1: I need it. A...
2: So would that mean they would have a? So because, like you said before, DNA is a code, is it ATG, mm-hmm. whatever? Would that mean that in theory, the primer, the ge- the primer that's looking at all these different species would have a a generic sort of section that would mm-hmm. be the same in all of these different species for yes. that.
3: So primers is between like 20, 20 18, 25 uh, nucleotides. It's not very long, but this is enough to be specific to that function and, mm. um, and more or less, if you want to have some diversity, you can cheat. You, you have like fake uh, nucleotides that we call actually. So like for example, if <clears throat> in one specific spot on the genome, it could be an A or a T. Depending on the species, mm-hmm. then you would use um, the nucleotide W, which actually doesn't exist. But when you send for producing your primer, they will add 50% of A and 50% of T. Okay. So in your primers, you actually have a mix of it's different like a primers.
1: nucleotide wildcard. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, it's a yeah. bonus. Yeah. Mm, that's good. So primers again, because I should know this because I did my masters in biotechnology, so I should know this, but I can't really remember. So PCR. So you've got. The full DNA of the microbe, say, eh? mm-hmm. and this might be millions of base pairs long or thousands of base pairs long, depending. And then you want to get a little bit of it. So you put together, so the micro one is ATCG, ATC, for, for ages and ages and ages, lots of different ones. And then the primer is like 20 ATCs and Gs, mm-hmm. and it's specific to some part of that thing. And it's, you put it in, you create a load of these, mix it up with the micro DNA. It attaches to, it finds that section that it matches with, attaches to it, and then that's how the PCR works, is it? It kind of looks for the primer and, and just starts replicating those 20 base pairs.
3: Yeah. So you, usually you have two primers, what we call the forward and the reverse. That, yeah, yeah. And they basically, um, what's the word, like uh, decide which region you're going to amplify. So the polymerase will go one way. Mm-hmm. And then in another piece of DNA, in the PCR of soup, the other primer will go that other way. And then by, because it's exponential reaction, at the end, only this region will be amplified it will make like a fragment. That's the amplicon. So
2: you have two two trains and they each have a point <laughs> to get on the track going different ways and they both move towards each other down the track and past each other.
3: Mm. Yes, but actually the tracks are far far away because during the PCR, because it's very hot, uh, the DNA is not double-stranded, it becomes single-stranded. Oh yeah, it breaks apart. It unzips. Zips. And yes, it unzips. Oh. Um, yes. So
0: perhaps... If you are a molecular biologist, this will all be so ingrained into your soul that it's entirely obvious. But if you spend your life skipping around a carrot field, just let me clarify. So we have the DNA, which is made up of the A, T, C and G bases. And then when you get three of those bases together, so in the whole long strip, you get the three bases and that then is like a codon. Oh, yes. And then that codon is codes for an amino acid. And then the amino acids make up proteins. Yes. And then the proteins are what causes function. Yes. So if we had two fields and we wanted to look at the nitrogen, how much nitrogen gas was going into the atmosphere, and we wanted to compare the two places, we could take some soil from both fields, do the same thing with it. And then we could look at using this PCR primer to try and figure out what the emissions would be in one field to the other. Because we know that the more DNA we've got that codes for the, this is where I'm getting lost. So the more DNA we've got. Coding for that specific protein specific, yeah, or so enzyme that, in that case. case. Then yes. you know you could be able, so it, it's useful to know how much DNA there is of a specific
3: gene. Yes. And that's actually, if you start to quantify it, it's called a QPCR, quantitative PCR. Mm. Uh, it's basically just a PCR, but you can follow real time mm. how much you are, how much you have in, in, your, in your soup. Yeah.
1: One of the other things you can do, I, th- I, I think we've spoke about before, that you can do is try to analyze microbial communities, kind of how much of this microbe there is versus how much of that, because I guess under different farming practices and different soil types, you, you kind of change... The balance of, of microbes in the soil if you've got all that dna then how do you figure out this one's from microbe of species x versus this one being of fungus of oh, species yeah, y and that kind of stuff because
2: I, I suppose if you did it the previous way like we said with just looking at the gene you yeah could see oh there's lots of that gene so there's lots of things there yeah. doing this thing but then that doesn't tell you anything about what those things are or yeah. anything more specific than that, right?
3: Exactly. So okay. um, if you want to know who is there, usually you focus on one specific gene, which is the um, 16S for bacteria or 18S for eukaryotes. <coughs> Whoa. So again, I sat in a biology lecture like, so that was about 16S and 18S. Mm. There we I go. Here we it are again. i on a
1: page, but I can't remember. Else that <laughs> Simple.
3: It. <laughs> it's forget about the numbers it's ribosomal uh genes like the genes that are going to code for the ribosomes ribosomes mm. are the factories of cells um, that's the ones that will receive the rna and to transform it into protein mm. yeah in our case because yeah. we're mainly interested in bacteria and archaea so they have 16s 16s
1: then sorry you use that bit because almost all life as far as we're aware all cells have this bit because all cells producing rna is such a basic function Every cell has to be able to do it.
3: Yeah, every cell that we know so far have ribosomes. That's how they work. Um, So yes, if you're interested in prokaryotes, so bacteria and archaea, you will look at the 16S gene. Mm -hmm. And basically, it's it's a gene that is interesting because it has a few parts that are very preserved between all of the bacteria. They have all the same bits. Basically,
0: if you had any changes in those areas of that
3: gene, it would completely fail. Uh, yes, I mean they they yes. can't survive because they need these bits to produce the ribosome. Mm. So they're the same in basically everything. Yes, and they also have bits that are very variable, and that's where you can identify which, um, where which who they are basically, which species, uh, which strain. So kind of as
1: species have diverged and evolved and separated on yes. the tree of life. Exactly. Um, they've they've got little differences in the ACG and that's yes, like a, a signature. Yeah, exactly, that allows you to tell one yes. species from another.
3: There's other ways, there's other genes you could look at, but 16S is the most common and then because it's so common there's like huge databases online where everyone adds onto it and we know almost all the 16S of all the stuff that have been identified so far. Is the one of the mm. first genes you you actually identified?
1: Ah, so if you're out kind of sequencing something that's never been sequenced before, you, you might start with exactly. the 16S and go yes. right, let's get that one done and yeah.
0: So you could be looking at soil DNA. And you could be, you know, so looking at the community, doing all of the stuff we've been talking about, and you could be using the work that, I don't know, a team in China or Brazil or Kenya has developed through sequencing, and you all, like, freely share that information so that you can kind of learn from each other. It's quite like a sweet story really isn't it it is yeah
3: as as soon as you published of course first you want to keep your your (laughs) dna for you (laughs) but when it's been published it's in your interest as well to share it because then you can compare your work with every people everywhere else in the world like oh actually you found the same dna in a different region and why is that maybe because they share the same function and they explain like why this soil and this soil are so similar so yeah it's quite sweet, really. <laughs>
0: Science, when it works like that, is... It is nice to
1: see massive global collaboration. I can yeah. think of... Uh, if any politicians work that way. <laughs>
0: we'll edit that out.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Satire. So Have I got news for you? Gary Fruin yeah, would yeah. love a seat in next week's episode. <laughs>
2: it's
1: time for the rapid-fire questions.
2: It's time to ask some questions really, really fast. This is the rapid-fire question round, where we ask questions rapidly. <laughs> There's no fire.
0: Good, that we know of. Rest assured. (laughs) If the fire alarm does go off, please make the way to the nearest emergency
3: exit.
2: Bath or shower? Shower. PlayStation or Xbox?
3: Uh, Currently PlayStation.
2: Uh, PCR or QPCR?
3: Fancier QPCR.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Mm. Weekday or weekend?
3: I'd say both because you need a balance. Mm,
2: okay. Very diplomatic answer there. Yeah, yeah. Batman or Spider-Man?
3: Spider-Man, acrobatic. <laughs>
2: <laughs> this one's a little bit more open-ended. What's your favourite nucleotide?
3: I would say adenine. So the Why egg? is that? Yeah. I don't know. Um... It starts with an A, first letter of the alphabet. My name starts with an A. There we go. I don't know. I
0: really, I don't, I don't know what it is, but like the, the, the like bullying lad in my brain is like, I really want to make fun of you for having a favorite nucleotide. (laughs) (laughs) Please do. (laughs) I probably have a favorite carrot or something equally as sad. Mm, Do you? Uh, Favourite type or favourite... Oh, so it's categorised. That's
1: already too far.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Excuse me whilst I go and bully myself.
2: Hot chocolate or cold chocolate? Hot chocolate. Full Sunday roast with all the good bits or fish and chips in the rain at the seaside?
3: Sunday roast. (laughs) One of the few stuff I like about English uh, food, to be honest. (laughs)
2: N-N-butyl-thiophosphoric thi- triamide or dicyan diamide.
3: I know none of those, so... Um...
2: N-B-T-P or D-C-D. Oh, just
3: just say see. one
0: with certainty. We won't know any difference. D-C-D. Ah, <laughs> oh, of course.
3: of course. The obvious oh, yes, choice. Obviously.
2: <laughs> Cold or hot? Hot. Birds or bees? Birds. mm nitrogen fixing bacteria or nitrifying bacteria
3: nitrogen fixing
2: and what was the last film that made you cry
3: i cry almost all movies i watch um but, the, la- <laughs> <a lot. laughs> but the last one was uh, Jojo rabbit oh, oh yes i only yes, had a yes. few tears yes. from crying yes. and laughing <laughs>
1: If you've discovered something that is perhaps not ideal, what are the, the kind of things then that you might say to, to do to kind of either address the problem in the soil or kind of change the balance of the community in that soil? What steps can I do would might farmers be advised to take or something like that? That's the that problem. A, <laughs> what yeah, we yeah. do
3: is still I think quite fundamental. Like we're still trying to understand what's going on. Yeah. Um but ideally if we can, for example, identify the good guys in there mm. um, the idea is like like probiotics for soil, it already exists but it's not working so well but basically if you have one species of bacterium that helps plants to incorporate nitrogen uh, you would grow them in the lab make pellets out of them and spread them in your field oh, wow. so hopefully the bacteria will go, grow close to the roots and help your plants to take up the nitrogen. That, that yeah. already exists yeah, like yeah. some companies sell it I don't think it's it's as easy because even spreading your field with loads of one species mm-hmm. of bacterium, it doesn't mean she's going to survive there. Mm-hmm. Or it's it's going to make itself like a role, uh, a strong role enough mm-hmm. to be able to survive and compete with the others. But That's interesting. That's I expected it.
1: you to say something like, oh, it's manure. You know, you put more soil, more organic matter down, like manure, and then that's going to do something. Well, that's one know, of that's the ways. Yeah, it's again the Improve the biodiversity yeah. in the soil or Yeah, yeah.
3: I mean, yeah, okay. bio- biodiversity will come from so many factors like your soil type, uh, your climate, how mm. much water you get. Um, mm. Of course, if you amend with organic even more because it's very rich in, in, um, in life already, but yeah. yeah. wow. Okay. So
0: just as a little bit of a defense of this as a concept, it's so something like a, a technique like PCR, how long has that been around ish? Like,
1: 1985, 86-ish.
3: Thank you, Gary. I so, knew that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> Only well, no, I know it because
1: we wrote a song about
2: it. <laughs> Marty, your voice went
3: very funny
1: then. You sounded a bit like Gary. That
2: was
3: interesting.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's so PCR is 30 years old. Yeah. Is that what? Is yeah. that? I, I couldn't yeah, check the maths. Right, yeah. But some of the stuff that we're talking about, like the qPCR, I'm guessing, is a lot kind of uh is a lot younger Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. same with the sequencing that we can now do really well for whatever it was 400 pounds or something that's like what the last 10 years
3: yeah especially like metagenome sequencing Mm. is like you have a pretty recent maybe 10-15 years tops
0: and then Mm -hmm. the kind of bioinformatics techniques have only developed since we've had huge data sets you know so actually it's not because this won't be the future of how we farm. You know, it, it will. You know, we still might have the seeds coated in bacteria that can help change the community so that we can farm more sustainably. It's more that we're just not quite there yet. Not that mm. it won't mm. work.
3: Mm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We still have to figure out the, the systems and and how good it works. But yeah,
0: because mm. it's re- like it's exciting when you start talking about how you could increase a plant's ability to kind of use fungi in its roots to pick up phosphorus so you don't have to because phosphorus is like we always talk about nitrogen Mm. on particularly on this podcast but generally in agriculture we always talk about nitrogen but phosphorus is like a huge we talk about like peak phosphorus because we're using it and using it and we don't have any more so finding ways for plants to get phosphorus is huge if you could have a bacteria fungi I can't say the AMF. AMF. Instance, um, uh, mycorrhizae. By, yeah, the mycorrhiza things, um, which are like bacteria, fungi friends, right? Um, they are fungi.
3: They're fungi? They are fungi, they
0: yes. They are fungi, okay. <laughs> um, I'm going to get... There's a very specific person <laughs> called yes. M who is going to reach out to c- complain Please about this Please edit bit. if I made a mistake. Yeah. Um, but, you know, if you could... This is this would be the new next level fertilizer, basically, if it works when when we develop the technology.
2: I think with all of these um, technologies and things that you think you might have touched on this earlier saying that it's all it's getting more affordable. It's getting all the technologies are getting more accessible, more affordable. So there could come a time where this is commonplace Mm. all over the place. And it's probably not as far away as we think this kind of future of being able to go outside Pick up your soil and go... <laughs> and a little thing and go, ah, so now I've got 400 of this species. And that's really good because yeah. they produce phosphorus.
0: So... Maida, you are what's known as the kind of superheroes of scientific institutes because you are the person who actually does the work. Alex is currently brushing his shoulder because he too falls into this category.
1: He's <laughs> carry on, please carry on.
0: You can't quite see the gesturing he's doing right now. The
1: level of smugness right Arrogance out. I think is the word. Isn't it?
0: <laughs> there is a great sense of entitlement coming from Alex's <laughs> chair. Um, but this basically I am alluding to the fact that you are a technician mm-hmm. so why are technicians important
3: um i think i remember from um, the new podcast actually from gears um she said that
2: available now spotify itunes you're listening to it do, i don't need to sell it to you you're listening to this sorry
3: <laughs> episode five though <laughs> um she said um usually PI's is way too busy writing rounds to get money and or writing articles or managing phd students um
2: so a pi is sort of how would, you, how would you describe a PI? Big boss. They're the yeah. boss. They're, boss. They're yeah. managers. They come up yeah. with all the ideas. The researchers, the
3: basically. Yeah. yeah. Basically, yeah. Um, and PhD students, um, they do also a lot of work, but they're meant to do from field work to analysis to writing as well. So it's very complete. And they usually have their own project. But all the side projects, all the main, for example, in... All the ISPs or the main big projects. They need to be done by someone. And usually it's technicians. Um, so, yeah, that's how I see it. Right.
0: <laughs> so what does a day in your life as a technician kind of look like then?
3: Um, the good thing is, I think, is very variable from day to day. It's never the same, um, especially in my position. I do field work, as we mentioned, um, lab work, and then I do some simple analysis on a computer like do a bit of bioinformatics, um a bit of everything yes
0: are mm. you militantly organized
3: i am <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> my lab book is freakishly very organized <laughs> every time Ian, and my boss comes around there's an PhD student look at my lab book i want something like this <laughs> oh, so you're, the, you're like the
2: a star example <laughs>
3: <laughs> i do spend a fair amount of time to do it that's also why there's no secrets if you have to work on it, but yeah, I like organisation. Because <laughs> that's
0: what I've had. So the thing is, so I'm a PhD student and I can, if I skip around and I make mistakes, then the person who suffers is kind of me or I'm the one who has to fix the mistake, if that kind of makes sense. Whereas with a technician, you kind of have a different level of responsibility in the sense that you probably have... Is it, oh, I don't know, you, 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 Alex, and Maida can disagree. Do you think you have less res- or less freedom to mess up? You you kind of have more responsibility?
2: Um, well, I suppose if we go back to the sort of, like you said, the PIs being the one who sort of, they come up with the idea and then they say, I'd like you to be the person to do this experiment for me, to go out and kind of do it. I suppose you could say if it's not your experiment, like you're a PhD student, you come up with the idea for your experiments and you go out and do it, and if you don't do it, you're the one who sort of suffers. I suppose if you think about it like that, if we go out and mess up an experiment, it's not us who suffers directly. It's the person mm. above the PI who sort of then has nothing to publish or nothing to say for it. But that's not the best way to look at no. it, really, is it?
1: <laughs> but it's not – they they have put a lot of trust in you. You know, they, mm. they must really rely on what you're doing to – because some of these techniques are quite hard to do and it's very easy to – mess up a pcr mm. and um and some you know and for them to say right we've got all of these samples you get this right um because the data is what's going to help them you know st- study yeah the response, you know do the work
3: again it's a trust i think usually like before doing any of these experiments you make sure like i guess when you hire someone and when you teach them a new technique and they know so much pi so that, that you learn a lot from them as well so you'd make sure together that you know how to do it and then you do the analysis and if you mess up you mess up that's it It happens a lot and you just say it you say Mm -hmm. oh okay i have to redo this because there was a problem and and then you do it again
0: yeah i think i was more kind of uh implying that when i mess up it's a lot bigger (laughs)
3: You probably <laughs> are
0: so organized that you know, like a PCR failing for you is, oh, no, no. is quite routine. Normally mine's kind of like, Oh yeah, no, I kind of forgot to do like an entire year's of field work or something, you know, like <laughs> really. I, I deleted my entire data set for twelve months work, you know.
3: We also had, yeah, yeah. I also had some fails yeah. where especially sequencing What's when,
0: your biggest science fail?
3: I tried to think about this question, but um I don't have an, I don't have one big that I'm like oh my god that was killing, yeah. but um, quite a few actually. Um, <laughs> but the the main ones I was going to say for sequencing because it's quite expensive as you mentioned before. Um, recently we've been doing this um, this specific analysis here, and if you mess up, it's one thousand five hundred pounds. So yeah, mm. you prepare everything, you run the stuff, doesn't work. Whoops! I think I forgot this. <laughs> 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 One thousand five hundred. Let's try again. So,
0: but yeah. I'm supposed. Yeah, I'm. I'm sure the big
3: mistakes happen less often than the small ones. Hopefully, but, but again, you learn a lot from your mistakes. You do it once. Oh, usually, you don't do it again. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Can we talk about your gymnastics group, please? Oh,
2: yeah.
3: Okay. <laughs> the legendary Rothamsted gymnastics group. I'm very happy to hear they're so legendary. Um, you know, good scientist, healthy mind in a healthy body, right?
2: Look good, and, feel good. Yeah, yeah.
3: <laughs> and very bendy body
0: makes for a bendy mind. <laughs>
3: <laughs> um, not sure it's necessary. <laughs> um, again, please join a gymnastics club. You don't have to be bendy. Just
0: so you started this gymnastics club at Rothamsted, how many
3: months ago? Um, it was last year, but well, about a year, about well, a year.
0: now. And you took a bunch of people who couldn't do forward rolls. Yeah, it, and I mean this with the greatest of respect, mm. my scientific mm-hmm. peers, but they weren't what you would call a group of. Apart from you, as, as far as I'm aware, yeah, they weren't
3: great. Right? That, that's the Very idea. Very careful
2: with your words there. <laughs> watching you squirm is fantastic. If anyone can do
3: gymnastics, um, I mean, you, you're not going to do Olympics, but it's, yeah, everyone can learn how to do gymnastics. No, you never, now...
2: never say never. Look out for Rothamsted at Japan. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: <laughs> but I think my favorite thing
0: about your little group, if you follow us on Instagram, the next time we go to gymnastics, tag us and we, we can share some of these mm. videos, but you really support each other. And it's quite nice. Like I, the, the the videos you share of like someone else doing like a a bridge walkover thing, you know, and it's just like everyone in the room is like whoo, and,
3: like, and I think I'm one of the. <laughs> it was like when someone managed to do a thing that he has struggled for a while. I, yes, you've got <laughs> You did it. <laughs> yes.
0: So it is possible for scientists to have life outside of work. It is possible for scientists to be athletic. Hmm. Definitely mean, is. Uh would you say it's important? Does that help keep you sane when you're in the lab? The fact that you're doing something that's not science
3: after work? For me it does, but I guess it's every person, but I think it's mm-hmm. it's nice, yeah. Jerry
2: yeah, says this. And says that. What does Alice say? I've really been enjoying this chat, but I think we should move on to the next section now.
1: So at the end of every episode, we play a game called the Thing Explainer, in which we hand you a piece, two pieces of A4 paper with some words printed on them. These are the thousand most commonly used English words. I'm loving this, Alex. And your job is to write a short sentence using only those words which describes what you do for your science. And we each also have the words and we will attempt to also write a sentence. And we'll see how close they are to see if we've understood anything about what you've told us today. So you can take a few minutes, there's no rush, and uh, we'll be back in a minute. What is your
0: sentence?
3: So I think my sentence would be I study all the little things underground that help plant grow better. Oh mm.
1: that's a good one. That's really wholesome. I had studying communities and amounts of small things in the ground. Not
0: yeah. That's good, that's yeah. good. Yeah. Oh, it's ground there. Ground is there. Okay. My sentence. Well, I just use phrases because I'm not that clever. Understanding the community of ground nature. <laughs>
3: works good, as well yeah
0: is that a, is that straight from a paper ground nature is that
1: you, one of those phrases you that you you don't know ground nature yeah, oh you need to read more
0: yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I went for a different route I've put do other people's work but stay healthy and happy
0: oh, I, I like that, that one very good very showing good. Good. us up yeah yeah, yeah
1: yeah and that's it for today's episode of the science of feeding the world I've been Gary Fruit.
0: I've been Hannah McGrath <laughs>
2: <laughs> I've also been Hannah McGrath <laughs> I was Goodbye minded. to our guest, Hannah McGrath.
0: <laughs> see you guys. I'm <laughs> taking over at last.
2: Thanks, Bida. <laughs> Thank you very much for listening to the Science of Feeding the World podcast. Be sure to like, subscribe and share. If you want to get in touch, please search for us at the Science of Feeding the World podcast on all your favourite social medias. And we'll see you next time.
0: Social medias?
2: <laughs> on all your favourite social platforms. Social media? <laughs> okay,
0: boomer. Media? I don't know. <laughs>